Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southernness to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. Whatever Super Talk station you're tuned in on or whether it's online, welcome. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps studio in beautiful Oak Grove, Mississippi here this afternoon. Bob and Kelly, uh, Luke remains out. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of Southern Miss and, of course, the Eagle Hour. Great place to cater your next event. Catered a mini self baseball weekend for me. It was always wonderful, and uh, the food is always good at Dickie's Barbecue. We thank them uh, for everything they do. Former Golden Eagle Chase Whitehead is living his best life on the beaches of Florida. He's going to take a break from that for a little while and talk to us later in the program. But uh, to begin with, we're delighted to have the new defensive coordinator for Southern Miss football, Coach Dan O'Brien, with us, who... Uh, Came to USM in 2021 and is now the D coordinator. And, Coach, it's uh, great to have you on the show, and congratulations on your new gig. Appreciate it. Thank you guys very much for having me on. Well, you know, every time we uh, we talk a little bit about football, we're getting ready. We talk to Coach Hall. We talk uh, to fans. Uh, the, the word that comes up is defense. Everything's going to ride on the defense. You know, that the nasty bunch of defense is back and going to carry the football team. How excited are you about this defensive uh, team that you're going to put on the field? What do you think we can expect, Coach? Uh, I'm, a, I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, obviously the first opportunity for me to, to call call the defense on my own. And, um, you know, I think we got a lot of really, really good pieces to work with. Um, you know, got a lot of guys coming back for us. So, um, you know, defensively, the, the scheme and stuff probably won't change all that much. Maybe some different terminology and, and some new pressure pass, but um, like you guys said, I mean, Southern Miss has been built off of, of nasty bunch and off the defense. So, um, you know, we're still going to bring that attacking style of play and and put a good product out on the field, and uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, you know have a lot of success this year. You know, uh, watching the team last year, what was obvious to everybody and jumped out at you was the improved defensive line play. A lot of those kids that transferred in, I thought, really played really, really well. And uh, it was the first time in a long time that that Southern Miss defensive front looked big and strong and tough. And most of those kids are back. Am I not right about that? Yes, sir, you're correct. I mean, a lot of those guys are back, and I think the biggest thing from year one to year two with our defense was was really the depth of the defensive line position. Um, you know, that first year we didn't have a whole lot of depth, but we've been able, excuse me, been able to build that uh, over the last year or two, and um, you know that's that's provided 
a lot of issues for a lot of offenses for us because we can play with a lot fresher bodies and a lot bigger bodies up there in the front. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Coach Armstrong and, and I used to always laugh and joke that, you know, really we're the, the sixth best defensive line in the SEC West. So, um, just because a lot of where uh, a lot of those guys came from. But, and the, and the defensive line play allows linebackers to play better. Kind of explain X and O's, Coach OB, as to how that is so. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times, um, when you've got really big, strong defensive linemen that can't get moved by offensive line, you know, they'll, they'll eat up a lot of blocks. So, you know, they'll require double teams, and, and guys won't be able to come off of double teams to climb to the second level um, and either get to a linebacker or get to a safety. So what it does is it keeps those guys clean and unblocked. So, you know, when that ball wants to spit through a gap, you know, those guys are sitting right there to be able to shoot through the hole and go make the play uh, unblocked. So, and, and one, of the, one of the guys who's a, a homegrown product, of course, Hayes Maples uh, prepped here at Oak Grove High School and twice now has had operations on the knee. Just because he's a local guy, a lot of people here, especially pulling for him and because of his story, is he ahead of schedule? How's, how will you guys handle him now coming up into, into practice prior to the first game? Yeah, so, uh, you know, our athletic training staff does a phenomenal job with those guys, uh, as well as Coach Ankar, our strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, those guys do a great job of getting those guys back healthy and then doing all the prehab and rehab with them. But, uh, you know, Hayes was actually out there towards the end of spring doing some seven on seven and pass skills, uh, reps. So, you know, he, he's on track to, to, uh, play for us this this season and, and come out in fall camp ready to, to roll. Coach, uh, the Golden Eagles not getting much love from the media. We talked about that yesterday. I think finished the pick fourth. In uh, in the West. In the Western Division. Uh, we had a long discussion about that yesterday. We we think that's probably not very accurate. Uh, but how, how does that sort of stuff reflect back to the football team? Is that something that as the defensive coordinator, you can use this motivation, or do you just not pay attention to that? Uh, part of you doesn't really want to pay attention to it because a lot of that stuff really doesn't matter. Um, you know, what matters is what, what you do on the football field in between the white lines. But, um, you know, obviously it, it does serve as motivation, not only for, for us as coaches, but for our players um, to see that type of stuff because we, we know where we're at. We know where we were in games last year, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the close games we lost at the end last year that we will have the ability, we feel like, because of where we, where we are at and the pieces we have on our team this year that we'll have a better opportunity to pull those out. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I prefer it. I prefer to be the underdog than, than the guy with the target on their back right now. And, and, you know, I think our, our players are excited and I think our, our staff and, Everybody involved with the program is excited about where this program uh, has the potential to be come December this year. Is there any aspect of the defense, Coach O'Brien, that keeps you up at night, even just a little? Um, not really. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's you know, good to hear. I, I feel like we have a we have a lot of really good pieces. You know, like we talked about with the defensive line. Um, you know, I think uh, we have a really, really talented group there. 
you know, the linebacking core, obviously, we've had uh, been bitten a little bit by the injury bug. If there was one, it would be the inside linebacker position. But, um, you know, again, those guys have, have fought back through, through injuries. and um, But, uh, you know, we, we have we have more depth there uh, than we had in the spring. So we're, we're in a good spot. And then, you know, I think our secondary, um, they may be the biggest and longest uh, secondary I've ever been around in my coaching career now. Um, you know, we're, we're six feet across the board and 200 plus pounds in a lot of spots. So, uh, we got a lot of guys that can run and hit and, and play the ball. So I'm really excited about where we're at. Coach, uh, from a coaching perspective, I want you to fill in the blank. The most difficult position on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage to play is? Probably in the secondary, um, whether it be corner or safety. Uh, a lot of times, you know, somebody on the defensive line can make a mistake. Somebody on the second level at linebacker make, can make a mistake. But as soon as one of those guys makes a mistake, uh, you know, it's six points. And, uh, you know, those, those guys get held held accountable for a lot of things, and it's not always necessarily their fault. But mm-hmm. um, they're, they're the ones who, who kind of get, get pointed out because somebody got behind them or, or they didn't make the, the play that, they had to make to get somebody down on the ground and it ended up being points for the other team. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's sort of like an outfielder, Kelly, in baseball. If the ball gets past your center fielder, it's trouble. Oh, yeah, it's funny because you coach youth baseball and parents will go, how come my son is always stuck in the outfield? I said, stuck in the outfield. I said, if it goes by the shortstop, the guy might get one base. If it gets by your son in the outfield, he gets three bases. Right. So what What do you mean, and stuck? And they answer, but I want him to yeah. pitch. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and play shortstop and bat fourth. You know? right. Other than that, mm-hmm. I'm very happy. <laughs> right. So, Coach, when you got the word that uh, you were going to be the new D.C., what ran through your mind? What were your thoughts? Uh, well, it was a, you know, it was a whole whirlwind of, of weeks because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of, uh, you know, the move, the moving parts and, uh, what I wanted to do on defense that was different than what we did in the past. Um, you know, it was just in terms of we're in the middle of, of winter recruiting and, you know, the, before the February signing day, so you're still preparing for all that. And at the same time, you start spring ball, and I think we started on February 23rd. So, you know, by the time we got off the road recruiting, we had three weeks to make sure all the coaches were up to speed on new terminology, what we were doing coverage-wise that might have been a little different, or uh, new pressure pads or uh, anything nuances within the defense that I wanted to tweak or adjust, uh, just trying to get everybody up to speed on um, – what what we wanted to do there and also in terms of we're hiring a new coach so uh you know going through that whole process as well uh, we're talking to defensive coordinator dan o'brien golden eagle football's on our mind today uh, if coach can hang on we've got a great he's got a great interesting background and we want to talk about that some when we continue our conversation with coach o'brien you're listening to the super talk eagle hour we're glad you are we'll be right back
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, you've been hearing us talk about Noel Daniels Motor Company. Well, they've got new Icon carts, and uh, they'll deliver them anywhere in the state of Mississippi for just $99. Noel Daniels carries electric vehicles for all your needs around the neighborhood, the golf course, or the farm. And remember, they'll deliver it to you right here in Hattiesburg or anywhere you're hearing the Super Talk Eagle Hour this afternoon. For just $99, they always keep a great inventory and always give you the best deal regardless. Just tell your telephone, take me to Noel Daniels Motor Company in Brandon or shop online at noeldaniels.cars. We're talking to defensive coordinator Dan O'Brien and uh, Campus Bookmart is uh, promoting and sponsoring, is what I'm trying to say, this segment of our show. Coach O'Brien, a fascinating background, a couple of years at Georgia, and I don't mean to skip over that, but I'm really interested uh, in, in your five years at the Naval Academy, and you were telling us off air that you really have a lot of family connections uh, to the wonderful Naval Academy. Talk about that, Coach. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my dad actually went there, graduated from there, and uh, went Marine Corps out of, uh, out of the academy. And then he actually came back and coached there back in the late 70s, early 80s, when uh, George Welsh was there. Um, and, uh, you know, he was actually recruited and uh, coached by uh, Lee Corso, wow. who was on staff at the time. So, um, you know, Belichick's dad was also on staff at the time. So, they, you know, the Naval Academy has actually had a lot of uh, really, really notable coaches go through there that a lot of people really don't realize that actually worked there at one point in time. But, um, you know, yeah. So anyways, my dad, my dad went back and coached there and then I got the opportunity in 2013, 2014, I think it was to, to go, uh, be a part of the staff there. Um, actually was under, uh, coach Niamatololo, who I think in our third season, we actually set the record for most wins, uh, on staff, so he, he was actually the winningest head coach in Naval Academy history, um, and I was, I was lucky enough to be a part of that staff. Actually, it was my dad's staff that was previously the winningest staff in, in Naval Academy history, so, uh, you know, a little little knock on my dad right there to, to beat one of his records, but um, no, it was, a, it was a great opportunity. Um, loved it, Annapolis. My wife and I both loved Annapolis up there right on the bay. Um, unbelievable place, um, and obviously, you know those those guys that play football. They're going to do some some great things um, in serving and protecting our country. So, yeah. um, hats off to those guys there. Yeah, Kelly and I had the privilege a uh, year before last of meeting the West Point baseball coach that came down here for a uh, regional, and uh, also some of their players, and uh, they were just special. And uh, I think that's the same with. Uh, young men and, and women in the Naval Academy. They're just special young Americans, right? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, it, it takes a lot for those kids to, to make the decision to go to a, a service academy and, you know, the academics they have to do, the the rigors of preparing to be an, an officer in the, uh, in the armed forces and then on top of that be able to still be able to play an athletic sport and um, – you know, go out there and compete with some of the best of the best in, in the country and in athletics. So, um, hats off to those people. But I mean, it, it does. It takes a, a special person to 
to go and compete at those levels and, and do what they do day in and day out. And and in a way, doesn't that Coach O'Brien kind of handicap you when it comes to trying to compete with other teams at the D1 level? Yes, it does. Because um, you, you have to you have to have the academics. So once you get to the academies, it's it's, it's no slouch. I mean, everybody's an honor student, and um, every class is tough. Uh, at the same time, you got to be able to get enough sleep to let your body recover and, and handle the strength and conditioning and the growth that comes with um, college athletics and college strength and conditioning. And, you know, those were always some areas, and especially in football, where you kind of struggled, uh, especially with guys that needed to gain weight or guys that needed to maintain weight um, to be able to do that kind of stuff. Now, they, they've, they've kind of got ways around it now. Not really around it, but there's ways that the academies agreed to help student athletes with uh you know being able to compete at a high level so they can actually have some success on the field but then bob coach dan o'brien got to work with bill belichick yeah 2006 you were a scouting assistant with the vaunted new england patriots uh that had to be quite of an experience uh to get around and uh, get to spend some time with coach uh, with coach belichick yeah that was a great experience um you know i was coming Coming out of uh, coming out of college and needed a job and talked to my parents and um, you know I was like you know what I think I'm going to do this coaching thing and of course my mom was like are you sure about this are you insane but uh, <laughs> you know my dad my dad uh, helped me out he made a phone call like I said he had worked with Coach Belichick's dad at the Naval Academy and said hey my son's thinking about getting into it if you got anything and. Um, you know, I got a phone call, went over there and interviewed with those guys and, and started in the scouting world. Uh, really, I was just in a, sitting back at a computer, breaking down film, making tapes, and uh, went through fall camp with them and was assigned to the running back position group, and which was pretty much easy at the time because we had Corey Dillon and Kevin Falk and some guys that we knew who were already going to be on the roster, so there really wasn't any kind of roster shakeups to happen, but... Um, and then I was actually uh, there. I actually told the team this last year, but uh, I was actually known as what they call the Turk in the NFL, and that's the that's the cut guy. So oh. I was the guy. Anytime somebody had to get cut, I had to go find them, and I had to go uh, go up to them and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, Bill and Bill and Scott Scott Pioli was the VPP at the time, and." Um, I said, Bill and Scott need to see you, need to bring your playbook and your key five to get in the building. So I was I was that guy. So I used to see players always trying to duck into the meeting rooms and try to hide in the locker room or something so they couldn't get cut. But, uh, you know, I had to be the bearer of bad news around there. So oh. it, was a, it was a great experience. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say you were with the jerk, and that would be Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> he's a very he's a very big no, no, Tom, Tom, Tom used to see me in the hallway and nod his head and smile and say hi. Yeah, Tom, I think he knew he was safe at the time. Yeah. So. Tom wasn't too worried about you coming and telling him to bring his playbook, was he, Coach? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, well, coach Belichick, uh, I was telling you off air, a young uh, lady over at Jones told me a few years ago about him coming to Jones when uh, Ray Perkins was the head coach and uh, – uh, and just she was really kind of intimidated at the thought of being his escort and, you know, person that was going to help him the whole time that he was here. But she said when it was all over, she realized he was one of the most gracious, kindest people she had ever met. Does that surprise you to hear that? 
Not at all. Um, you know, he, he's he's a, he's a great person. Uh, when you have the opportunity to be around him, um, he's you know obviously he has his persona within the media. But you know, I compare it a lot to like Coach Saban. Coach Saban has the same persona in the media, but you know, Coach Saban's the kind of guy. If I went up there to the offices at Alabama. I could go sit down in his office and we could have a conversation for 25 minutes mm-hmm. um, about family and, and stuff like that. It's just it's just the, the the type of people they are that's not portrayed uh, right. that you right. see in the media all the time. But um, yeah, he is he is a, he's a very very good human being and and you know he just I just don't think he likes to talk very much. Right. What what makes him so special as a head coach? Because arguably he's the greatest ever. He's all right. <laughs> So, uh, w- what Coach O'Brien makes Bill Belichick so successful? Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the details um, and the way he operates at a day-to-day basis. You know, a lot of what Coach Hall has designed this program off of is based off of the Belichick Saban style of uh, organization of you know, all the minute little details that are put into every day-to-day operation that goes on, um, the having your hand in every uh, side of the ball uh, in, the, in the game of football, um, you know, whether it's special teams, offense, defense. I mean, he, he truly is a mastermind when it comes to that. He's on the cutting edge of uh, doing all this, you know, putting a sixth lineman in the game and putting a – making him eligible for the sick and throwing the ball and then getting the NFL to change the rules. Um, you know, finding new ways to to be creative when it comes to the game of football to uh, attack people or, or change the way people think. And I, I think that's one of the ways that he's really is considered to be probably one of the best to, to ever do it. That's interesting stuff, Coach. We we appreciate you sharing that with us, and uh, want to thank you for coming on our show. And uh, want to say congratulations to you on your new position, well deserved. And uh, we we're already looking forward to football season, Coach O'Brien. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right, Coach Dan O'Brien, the new defensive coordinator for the Southern Miss Golden Eagle football program. Great background. I would think the defense is in good hands. And that's and and you know he, he likes being the underdog as he as he just said, but from a from a Golden Eagle fan standpoint, the defense has been touted yeah. to kind of carry the banner, so to speak, for this team. They've got to lead the way as a unit. He was the Turk of the New England Patriots. That's pretty cool. And I know who the jerk was. We already mentioned. Yeah, and it never never. <laughs> that Tom was concerned about getting a visit from Coach O'Brien. Yeah, can we move on? Is there something <laughs> else we can talk about? Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we want to thank new defensive coordinator Dan O'Brien for joining us. Great conversation uh, with Coach O'Brien. I know it's an exciting time uh, for him and his life, and uh, we wish him nothing, of course, but the best as the new uh, D.C. of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. 
This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to have lunch tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day, too. Catfish Friday at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Trust me when I tell you, you'll never eat better catfish and never have a better lunch for 10 bucks uh, than they'll be offering tomorrow at 4th Street. Right in the shadow of the rock. And I want to remind you about the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. It's available all the time on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We told you Chase Whitehead was going to be on the show today. He's working, actually, and uh, and work called. He's uh, unavailable, but we will reschedule him a little later. But plenty to talk about. Let's stay on football, Kelly. And uh, very interesting that the first power rankings of the National Football League came out. And uh, with all due respect to your Bengals, they're a fine football team. I personally am happy, but at the same time shocked that it automatically the, the number one seed didn't go to the Kansas City Chiefs. No, me too. I, you know, because like Ric Flair, you know, the world, the world famous uh, philosopher, also right. pro wrestler, right. said in order to be the man, you got to beat the man, right. right? And the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs, uh, but they came in fifth. That's really surprising. in the first uh, power rankings. Of course, they haven't even gone to camp yet. Right, right, and they, right. on these power ratings are out already. Kansas City fifth in the first uh, NFL power ratings, and I I'm shocked as well, Bob. When I I had to do a double take when I saw who is listed as number one. So start with Kansas City and move up. All right, Kansas City came in fifth in fourth, a team that you have been saying for the last two years is a team with an upward arc, and you think could very well be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl this coming season, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I think they're very good. And if that kid from Iowa State, forgive me for forgetting his name. Brock Purdy. If they can get him healthy, he he showed he's the real deal. The the, the 49ers are just a handful. And and he was, you know, Mr. Irrelevant in the draft a couple of years ago. No longer. You know, the, he's Mr. I got a lot of money in my wallet. Right, yeah. He was the, the last guy taken in the draft. So I can of, see that fourth. Yeah, I can see that. In third, the Buffalo Bills of the AFC East. Hard to argue. Solid team. Really disappointing at the end of the year last year, the way they played. I was really a little shocked by that. But actually, it was your team that just took them to the woodshed. Just whipped them. Yeah, Josh Allen, um, in in these same power rankings, Josh Allen is listed one of three elite quarterbacks. The other elite quarterbacks also in the AFC, and we talked about that earlier this week. Uh, Mahomes and Burroughs. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, those were the top three. The, All right. So you've got, you've got San Francisco. You've got Kansas City fifth, San Francisco fourth, Buffalo, Buffalo third. And the, other, the number two team uh, is a team that could also contend for that NFC. Got to be the Eagles. It is. Philadelphia in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah. And who would be number one? That's why I was so shocked and amazed. Is that why you got on that shirt today? The Cincinnati Bengals, number is, is one. Is that why you wore the new Bengals? No, shirt? it's just just by you know just by happenstance. I just haven't done laundry in a while, so I'm I down don't. to you know. Well, I, I you know I don't really <laughs> argue with that. I mean, any of those five teams could beat each other, obviously on right. a given Sunday. But the Bengals are extraordinarily talented. Got great offensive production. Really, in my judgment, were screwed in the championship game last year. Absolutely tattooed by the officials. The Bengals are very capable of winning the whole thing. Well, they got three great receivers and uh, and Joe Burrow back there, and, and they just uh, they bolstered the offensive line by signing Orlando Brown, who was who was one of the big pieces that Kansas City lost 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he came over. The Chiefs lost a number of players. Right. right. So so uh, maybe that's why Kansas City's still fifth. But but still, I mean, if you're in the top five, you're still sitting. Have you got the bottom? Pretty good. Five? No, but I do have. I I can tell you. Well, I can tell you that Houston was dead last. The Texans, uh, and until and, they prove. And then, and then the uh, Commodores. No, no, the Commodores actually were. The Commanders. Now, see, now you've got me calling them the Commodores with uh, hey, you. with Coach hey, me. Lionel Richie. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, the New Orleans Saints in the power rankings came in 12th. Came in 12th, mm-hmm. all right? But according to these power rankings, the way that the Saints division, the NFC South, will shake out, New Orleans will win the division, followed by Tampa. They picked Tampa to finish second. Carolina to finish third, and the Atlanta Falcons to finish fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the Saints and Tampa pretty close together in the power rankings, and then Carolina and Atlanta kind of down the road. I don't know about I don't know about the Buccaneers. They looked old and slow last year. Am I wrong? No, no, you're you're right. But uh, but again, that this is a, you know like we haven't mm-hmm. even gone to training camp yet. Right. A lot of injuries could take place, you know, who right. knows. Right. But also interestingly, CBS Sports put out an article this morning about keys to every NFL's team offenses this year. They picked out one aspect of every NFL's team offense and said that if the team's offense is to operate the best it can, this one factor has got to operate at its best. For the New Orleans Saints, it was the return of Michael Thomas. And, oh boy, and, that's shaky. And that's, that's exactly what they said. The last three years, he's been out for any number of games because of physical ailments. Now, even if he does come back at 100% of his health, he's still not going to be the number one receiver. Olave has already established himself as number one. So Michael Thomas, at best, would be a number two receiver. But according to the article and their assessment, the writer's assessment, if the Saints are to be the best offense it can be, Michael Thomas is going to have to come back and play the best that he can. All right, But when it came down to the Baltimore Ravens, Bob, they said that in order for the Ravens to be the best football team it can be, it's all going to come down on the shoulders and brain, as it were, of one man. Who was on the show last week, right here on the Eagle Hour. Todd Munkin. I can see that. They said that the that the the running game of Baltimore has been okay, but the passing game has been deficient with a capital D. Mm-hmm. And that if Todd Munkin can put Lamar Jackson in a situation where he can get rid of the ball more quickly, keeping him healthy to where he's not going to get hit as much and doesn't have to run as much, the Ravens could be a formidable force. But they said it will all come down to what Todd Munkin puts in place in Baltimore. He's in a great spot because he he's going to take over the offense of a team that has a star quarterback. You know what they're going to be like defensively, just nasty. Nobody is this fair to say nobody really wants to play the Baltimore Ravens. Is that not fair? And that's to say? a brutal division. Yeah, that's a tough division. You know, and I believe me, I'm no, uh, I'm a Todd Bunkin fan, as I'm, but I'm no Ravens fan, and I certainly am not a Steelers fan. But none of those teams are ever going to get the number one seed in the playoffs because it always comes down to what, what, who has the best record in the AFC. Who's the fourth team in that division? The Cleveland Browns, and you know, with Deshaun Watson, I, I mean, he's not, you know, he's decent. It looked like they were going to get good again, and then they kind of slid backwards. Clearly. 
clearly the Ravens and the Bengals are the best in that division. But who can ever count out? Who wants to play the Pittsburgh Steelers? And not, I don't ever want to play the Pittsburgh Nobody Steelers. Nobody wants to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. You know, we were talking about how the, the Patriots always got the number one seed because they were in the lousiest division. Under that same scenario, look out for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. They they could they could wind up getting the number one seed in the AFC because they're in that crappy yeah, division yeah. with the Texans, the Colts, and I can't even remember who else is in that. Now see, in AFC your team, South. if you're looking at a 16 game schedule, I think it's a game. Oh, the Titans, the Titans are the other team, and they're in a rebuild a mode. A quarter of the games that the Bengals have to play are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Right. That's pretty tough. And Cleveland's not a gimme anymore. Four games against those two teams is not an easy thing. No. And see, and and when you, the Jaguars, conversely, get two against the Texans, two against the Colts, and two against the Titans who are in rebuild mode. Correct. So, right. Right. And that's the way it used to be in the AFC East with the Patriots getting to play the lousy Jets at the time, the lousy Dolphins at the time, yeah. and the lousy well, Bills at the time. I don't think there's a division in the NFL tougher than the division the Bengals play in. And it's been what that. What would it be? It's been that way a long time. What What you know? would it be? I. Well, I, I keep hoping that Sean Payton will do something in Denver to give Kansas City a run because nobody, you know, the Chargers are decent, you know, but the Broncos have been terrible, the Raiders have been terrible, mm-hmm. and again, that just that just helps Kansas City. It's going to be so weird seeing Sean Payton with those orange and blue colors and on the Denver sideline. He's a he's a New Orleans Saint. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Yes. But, man, I'm sure pulling for him, particularly yeah. in, the, in the division that he's in. They'll be going to but, camp soon. Yeah, end, end, of the, uh, end of the month you know, is really kind of when things get, get cranking. And, and speaking of the end of the month, July 25th and 26th, we've alluded to this before, but Sunbelt Media Day is scheduled at the Hyatt Regency in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And we're, gonna, we're planning the Eagle Hour. We're planning on being there to – Get coverage of all of the Sunbelt right. uh, football teams with comments from coaches and players that they bring in, players that you'd expect to be hearing uh, a lot from this year, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. It will be here before you know it, Bob. All right, and a bittersweet thing is about to happen. That's the Major League Baseball draft. We've got one more segment left, and we'll talk for a minute about who we may see depart the Southern Miss baseball program uh, when the draft and how the played. Eagles have got to rebuild a little bit. Right. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. You know, Mobe Beignet Company is the official beignet store of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, and we appreciate all they do. It's a great place for a wonderful dessert, great coffees, uh, hot and cold, and uh, a new topping every month. A real, real treat to have uh, at Mobe Beignet Company here in Hattiesburg. Also, want to thank D1 DBAT for their sponsorship of our program. And as we tell you every day, we're lucky to have such a state of the art. Uh, athletic training facility right here in Hattiesburg and it is truly it is truly state of the art D1 D bat on Hardy Street. Okay, the Major League Baseball draft Kelly is when. It's this Sunday night and you'll be able to get uh, televised 
coverage of it. They're making just like everything else now. I mean, they're going to have live bands and yeah. you know make a big television production out of it. So as uh, Coach Travis Creel told us uh, or, or yesterday, they anticipate four to six, just an anticipation, four to six kids being drafted and, and perhaps gone. I think we know that, that that is including Tanner Hall, Justin Storm, Dustin Dickerson, Matthew Etzel, yeah, I think. probably, uh, yeah. So who, if there were six, who are the other two that you think might be? I think Nico Mazza. Right. He's, he's drafted. Dra- he's dra- he's, his age makes him draft eligible, right. even though he's a sophomore. Class, classification would not, but age would. And then, you know, I would think Slade Wilkes would, mm-hmm. you know, I, the only question would be. Um, what position would he well, be that's Well, that's, that's the rub there, right? But, man, I'll tell you what, when a guy hits a baseball, has the capability to hit a baseball like he does, you're an American League team. Uh, he can swing it. Oh, my gosh. Can he ever? Yeah, he can really swing and, it. And, look, he's, just, he's a great athlete. They can, you know, they can find it. Yeah, yeah. When you hit it like that, you find a position for him so to play. So you find yourself, you know, you find yourself with mixed emotions. You want what's best for these kids, and you certainly want to – you really want to see them succeed, but – Man, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to lose Slade Wilkes and Nico Mazza and and people that that are kind of on the bubble a little bit, so to speak. You just want to see them come back and contribute to the baseball team. There, it's a double-edged sword, Bob, because here's the way it works. All right, you get it. So let's let's just hypothetically say they all get offers, right? And 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 then you think, well, it's not enough money. You know, I could go back. Here's the problem: if you go back, all right. You, you take the potential of getting hurt, mm-hmm. all right, and potentially seriously hurt to where then your draft stock, you go off the board. Nobody wants damaged goods. That, you know, then, then you get nothing, right? So the old adage that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, all right? right. So if you, if you take the money, you, you accomplish your goal of saying it happened. I, I made it. My dream came true. You know, the second thing is, is, is you're set. As far as you know what you're going to be doing. Like I say, if you go back another year in college, you may not go to the College World Series. You may get hurt, and then you don't get drafted at all. You know, and then, then th- so you see what I'm saying? There's, there's two ways of thinking, it, thinking about it. But if these guys do, do go on, all right, not only do they accomplish their goal, uh, fill, fulfill their dreams, but remember, there are guys on the Southern Miss roster who also have a dream. Their dream is a little bit different. Their dream is to be a starter. At right. Southern Miss. Move up. Yeah, so so their dream would also be accomplished. Right, right. Mazza uh, is draft eligible to begin because of his age, but I, I've always heard that if you're a junior and you're drafted and you turn that down, you lose a lot of leverage. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Nico Mazza would maintain leverage, right, because he's just a sophomore. So he could come back for his junior year have a really good junior year as a starter all year long, and then his draft stock may very well go up. That could happen. But here, Mr. Negative Nelly chimes in again. He could also get hurt. Well, yeah. Tear his arm up and then, you know, have Tommy John surgery, and nobody wants him. Well, couldn't that be the same thing, though, if you're drafted and you're playing double-A ball or single-A ball, you could get hurt and you're done. Well, but at least at least you were already playing single A or double A right. ball, and, and then you know. and then you get down to the money. Right. Is it life changing money? Nobody 
nobody blames anyone for taking life changing money, and that you you couldn't blame a and, Nick and, and for No, and what's life changing for one player might be not life changing for another. another. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If I had my Rethers, I'd have them all come back. Justin well, Storm. Well, sure. Dustin Dickerson. You know, all of all of them come back, but that's not the real world that we live in, and that's probably not going to happen. Probably not, <laughs> right? But what does it say about the baseball program that every year you've got five, six kids being drafted? And I was just going to say, Bob, and if these guys do move on, the way the the condition that the baseball program is now in at Southern Miss, you're going to have four or five guys get ready to move in and step right in. Same skill sets, just have different names, not and yet. you'll love them just like you love these guys. No, there's no question about you that. Know, and so it's when Sunday night, all the television coverage, you know, on ESPN, they'll have. Uh, you know, cameras in the in the families' houses and very much like the, the NFL, NFL draft. So good good luck yeah. to all these guys. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I want to thank Dan O'Brien. He's the new defensive coordinator for the Golden Eagles. We're happy that uh, he shared a half of an hour with us today. We'll start talking more and more football as the summer progresses. It's just around the corner. We're going to get you ready for more uh, Major League Baseball draft tomorrow as we wind down another week here on the Eagle Hour. That's tomorrow. Yeah. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.